The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Okay. Well, just for the record, we got a son in Phoenix, too. 52 to... <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sunny in Phoenix podcast, a weekly podcast where we keep you up to date on everything Phoenix Suns basketball. My name is Charlie Erling, and as always, I'm joined by Mitch Krumpetich. Sheesh! (laughs) (laughs) Sheesh indeed, Mitchell. For the first time in 28 years, the Phoenix Suns are back to the NBA Finals after closing out the Los Angeles Clippers in six games. On this episode, we'll touch on Game 5, then we'll dive in a little deeper to that Game 6 with the Chris Paul masterwork performance to seal the series. And after that, we'll talk about who we'd rather face once they get to the finals, the Hawks or the Bucks. Follow us on Twitter, at SunnyandPHXPod. Same thing for Instagram. Go on iTunes, leave us a five-star review and a comment, and you will get a shout-out on the show. Shoutouts are in order for our bet question from last week. We were guessing the number of free throws the Suns would attempt in game five. So shout out to at Sundarus Dunks on Twitter, who guessed 20, and he was right on the dot. So congratulations to Sundarus Dunks. Back back as the bet question winner, a regular winner. This he's very good at getting this stuff like right on the, like hitting the nail on the head. Oh, he's solid. And yeah. I'm glad he nailed that one because we can't have my wife winning this two weeks in a row. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So shout out to Sundarus Dunks on Twitter. Between the two of us, you said 19 and I said 17. So it is now tied 4-4. Let's go. the finals. So uh, I blew a 3-1 lead. Actually, you did four uh, one, I believe. No, I think it was just three one, but no, no, it was four one. Whatever, it's tied four four now. So it's looking like we are probably going to have three more bet questions, barring a sun sweep in the finals. So if that happens, then fine, we can both, you know, wager or pay up. But We'll see. We'll see. Or maybe one of us will just win both. I don't know. So for our bet questions, you can let us know what your guess is at Sunny and PHX pod on Twitter and whoever is closest will get a shout out on the show. So keep an ear out because we will be bringing this up a little bit later in the show. All right. Game five. I don't think we need to or want to talk about this a whole lot. No, and it was a, 116-102 loss. Uh, we can just say our, we came out pretty dead in a game where, in front of our home fans, we weren't expecting to see that. Uh, just kind of tough to see. Also, the only thing I really want to say about this one is, this is the only good game Paul George had in this entire series. And all the talk that was about him throughout this whole thing, while they were trailing the series the entire time, a little crazy because yeah. Booker was matching his numbers more or less throughout the entire series. But Paul George was uh, 
in in the favor of the media for sure throughout the series. Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, this game was just like the kick in the pants that we needed to be like, oh yeah, we have to actually play basketball, and they're not just gonna roll over. So. I think so too. And a lot of us fans were very confident heading into that one. We thought it was over. I mean, in the back of my mind, I was already looking forward to the finals in that one too. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to say that the team was feeling that way. You'd sure hope not, but you know, th- this happens. You got to lose a couple of games in the playoffs, and this was one of them. Right. I mean, we've lost four. (laughs) (laughs) Twelve and four in the playoffs. That's crazy. Unreal. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, all right. Let's let's talk about the big win, though. Game six. We just seal the deal. 130 to 103. There were points in this one where it got a little close back and forth, but... The second half, we saw Chris Paul absolutely take over. And what a lot of people are saying is his best playoff game. Maybe not statistics all the way down the the board for that, but how meaningful this one was, him getting to his first finals. Uh, What what a special moment. And I, I sat down and I just soaked in that whole second half. It was beautiful basketball by Chris and couldn't have been at a better time. Yeah. 41 points, 31 in the second half. And, you know, going into the second half, we had a nice little lead and the Clippers had kind of made a bit of a run toward the end of the second quarter, but we responded well to keep a little gap. And I was kind of going into the second half thinking, all right, we're going to need this lead. We have not held big leads at all when we have had, you know, we had a 16 point lead at one point and they cut that down. They can cut it down really quickly with all the threes that they shoot. And it was just the opposite. So sure. They got it to within seven, but then Chris Paul was Chris Paul scores 27 of the last 35 points after that lead got cut to seven it's just unreal, and we win by 27. Oh, it it was so special. 16 for 24 from the floor, and then out of nowhere, 7 for 8 from downtown. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he had made a 3 in the series, or maybe it was 1 or 2, but they were, they, had not, they, were bad, they, they had not been falling for him. And then in this one, 7 for 8, and then you can just look at that fourth quarter. One was a four-point play. And he just absolutely sealed the game with his shooting. They, they didn't want to come out on him at times because he you, he can kill you in so many different ways. And maybe they were going to say, all right, we're going to make Chris beat us by hitting these threes. But he's so clutch. He's so clutch. It, he, he's been so much fun to watch. And there was a clip. Uh, it was on one of his patented uh, mid-range right elbow little fade on it and James Jones is sitting underneath the hoop and as soon as the ball leaves Chris's fingers he stands up out of his chair and starts fist pumping before the ball's even on its way down and <laughs> that just seeing that the the utmost confidence in your guy that you just helped bring in this year this run it's amazing yeah we're going to the finals Oh, yeah. And 
My favorite Chris Paul play of the whole night is when he got Marcus Morris switched onto him and he's driving on the baseline and he stops and kind of turns around a little bit. Or he didn't stop. He kept his dribble. But Marcus Morris goes to guard the perimeter and doesn't realize Chris Paul didn't pass the ball and just leaves him wide open for that little shot from the block. That was... I'm like, that's Chris Paul right there. So yeah. crafty, so deceptive. You have to respect the passing ability. And he goes behind the back in that play. Yeah. And the, it's a, it's similar to that, that really, really smooth between the legs he had on the drive, um, forward between the legs, not backwards, when he did that and pulled up into a jumper. And then that behind the back move. Those are risky dribble moves because... You're pushing the ball out between your legs like that towards the defender, or you're going behind your back with potentially a guy could have come up right behind him and easily ripped that. Just seeing how confident he is doing that and knowing that no one's going to be able to take it is it's just next level. And we're doing it at this stage. I mean, he's that confident right now in this moment. And, this has to carry over to the finals now. I mean, yeah, it, it was a slow start for him uh, coming back from all this. And then he's banged up too, but he, he's on fire now. I, this, I really hope this carries through. Yeah, he's so passionate and emotional. And all these post-game interviews, he's <laughs> swearing left and right, <laughs> which is funny. But, you know, he is just so... Uh, into it so passionate and happy for his guys happy for the team as a whole for the leadership and you can tell he's happy for himself you know he's never been to a finals before so it's a special moment for him and just such a great thing to see how he has orchestrated all this and how it has fallen into place ah just just beautiful and then the rest of the team Let's talk about Devin Booker a little bit. He has 22 points in this one, and, you know, he didn't have a great shooting series aside from uh, game one. And then I, it hadn't been great, but 10 for 26 from the floor, just one for seven for three, but then seven rebounds, four assists, a steal, a block, just the dunks from Devin Booker in this oh, game. Yeah. Oh, Angry yeah. dunks. I, I loved watching him just take it right to the rim, and it was from the tip-off. Early in this game, he was trying to get to the rim, and uh, even though pretty poor field goal percentage on this game, we needed that. We we needed to get things going to the rim because we have not been shooting the ball great. And when you see Booker going to the rim and finishing like that, it's going to be a long night for the other team. And it, it's that it's that one aspect of the game that we've – we waited for for a couple years early in there. He wasn't doing much going towards the rim, but over the last couple of years, we see him throwing down poster dunks and just really getting explosive in there. And it's a beautiful step for him to take. And with Chris being able to be the playmaker and then have him on that end of things, we're going to go a long ways with, with those two playing together. Yes. Yeah. This isn't the end. It's like, Chris Paul and Devin Booker both said in their post-game interviews, this is great, and it's not the end. We still have a journey ahead of us. Yeah, and four more times. Yeah, and 
I mean, think about the future. Um, assuming that he doesn't pick up that $41 million player option and we extend him for a few years, where else would Chris Paul go right now? Right. I mean, uh, yeah. we're not going to trade him like the, the Thunder did. I, I mean, his relationships with guys on the Thunder and him and uh, SGA became really tight. I mean, maybe he would have wanted to stay there, but we're, we're competing for a finals now. The whole gang's going to be back pretty much, more or less. Mm-hmm. Uh, how could he go somewhere else? This right. is going to be, as long as Chris Paul is playing ball, I think he has a spot here, no no matter oh, yeah. what happens Absolutely. in the finals. Yeah, and I feel good about these finals. We'll get into this more later. But I think another thing that really stands out to me is DeAndre Ayton getting back on track. 16 points, 17 rebounds. I love when Ayton has more rebounds than points especially when he still scores and he's what eight for 10 from the floor back to his just incredible field goal percentage. So Aiton was awesome in this game. He got switched on to Paul George a few times and Paul George just wants nothing to do with Aiton. And it was just incredible to see Paul George like cower in fear at the sight of Deandre Aiton. Like he's getting this respect. It's so awesome. Yeah. And Paul George, the guy who lowers his shoulder like a running back and gets away with it uh, only got called when he did absolutely blatant shoves or elbows. Uh, man, the amount of fouls he picked up the entire series is pretty, yeah. pretty crazy. But him not trying that stuff on Aiton, more or less, and if, if you saw him get by a guy and Aiton was down under the rim, he was dishing it out. And that, that speaks so much to it. I I mean, look what they were able to do. Or, I mean, look what teams did to go bare through the yeah. playoffs there. Yeah. And then Aiden, just the exact opposite of that, and just embracing everything and taking advantage in a lot of situations. Right. And Aiden has established himself as a top three center in the league. It's Jokic, Embiid, and Aiden whatever order you want to put them in. Those are the three top centers in the NBA right now. That's so crazy. <laughs> it's so crazy. And even in a year where his stats are down from his rookie and sophomore years in the NBA, his his points are down. Rebounds are similar, I think. But, I mean, he's not complaining about that. He He is completely embracing this role. And... I mean, we've known that he's been a great player since we drafted him. We've seen all these flashes, and it's just kind of crazy that now that we're in the playoffs, he's been bringing that every single game, except maybe one. So maybe not every single game, but 95% of our games, he has been great, and no one expected that. We were all worried about, is Aiden going to be able to perform in a grueling playoffs? And he's the guy who... We can rally with man. He's a right. uh, he keeps his cool. He, I think he's the one of the vocal leaders of the team too. I noticed that. Yeah, he's always the one uh, breaking him down in the huddles. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you always hear like if they show anything in the locker room, Aiton's the one that's uh, getting everybody pumped up a little bit. And uh, you know that Chris Paul runs that locker room, but Aiton has a has some sort of part getting the guys riled up or 
or something like that. Well, and he was mic'd up in a few games throughout these playoffs, and you can just tell he's having so much fun and just positive attitude. He He's the anchor, I think, of our team. Chris Paul's the leader. Devin Booker's the star. DeAndre Ayton's the anchor. I like that. That's good stuff. Another guy who you can maybe call an anchor on this team, we called him the X Factor at the beginning of the year. Jay Crowder really showed up for this game after, you know, he had a really poor shooting series. It was the, was it the Nuggets or the Lakers series where he couldn't buy a bucket? Started out in the Lakers series. Yeah, yeah. He had a rough really series good the there. Series. Yeah. There we go. And then we, we were waiting for this. And then in this one, he goes five for nine from downtown, 19 points overall. Played some great defense and Jay Crowder back to the finals again. Uh, yeah. We're going to just ride Jay Crowder back to the finals, I suppose. Right. And it's, it's really incredible since he had the shortest break in NBA history and then came out and went to the finals again. And we hear all this rhetoric about, oh, LeBron and AD were hurt and so-and-so and so-and-so were hurt. Everyone's hurt at this point. Look at Jay Crowder. Doesn't miss anything. He plays every opportunity he possibly gets. He plays his heart out, no matter what, whether he's 0 for 10 or 10 for 10. And he was in the finals last year, too. So he's tough. Now, I'm not saying that the the amount that they've played has not played an impact, because it clearly has. But Jay Crowder is a good example of what can happen on the positive side. Dude deserves a long, relaxing off season. Yes, he does. I, I will say that. I hope he. Yes. I hope we just put him on ice and. Uh, I, I hope he really relaxes because man, he's getting up there in years too. Is he thirty? Yeah, around 30. there. Yeah. So, I mean, that's younger than me, so I can't talk any smack <laughs> or anything. But you know, and it's older player. than me. There you go. Yep. Uh, all right. Otherwise, oh, we didn't even mention this, and a lot of us may have even forgotten about it during the game, but Cam Johnson, it sounds like he had food poisoning is what That's some of us are hearing. saying. Yeah. He misses this game, and I, I know I was a little worried at it about that at the tip because he had been great through this series. He was just flamethrowing, knocking down pretty much everything he shot. But – Man, I completely forgot all about him, uh, very much in part to Tory Craig, who ends up going plus 28 in the plus minus, and he just he only scores three points, but there's eight rebounds in there, a big block shot, a steal. He did so many little things to help us win this game, and uh, cash considerations, baby. How funny would it be to match up against the Bucks and let Tory Craig get plenty of run against those guys? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, he has to. Tory Craig is going to get playing time no matter who we're playing because what he did in game six was awesome. His defense was so good. And it's all the stuff that doesn't show up in the stat sheet, of course. But that plus 28 really means something. That does show up. Oh, yeah. Just great work on Paul George in this one, who, like I said earlier, only had one really good game in this otherwise pretty poor shooting. But he holds him to six for 15. I mean, Paul George trying to 
stay alive in a playoff series, only shoots 15 shots. Let's <laughs> Marcus Morris, who played really, really well the last couple games. <laughs> he actually did. He said he shoots 17. Reggie Jackson shoots 12. And like, if you're Paul George and you're talking about all this, woe is me, quit talking about how I can't play in the playoffs, and then you don't do anything in game six and get eliminated, that, that's not a good look at all. No, it's not. Yeah, I think he has tarnished his image. And it, it's it's odd how the media is approaching this, but we don't need to go that, that far to that. Yeah. Los it's, Angeles. We've talked about the Clippers, and we've all heard about the Clippers enough. We're going to talk about the Suns. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I want to talk about how a young man in college foolishly plagiarized a <laughs> exam paper and then turned that around to be one of the most tenacious defenders in the NBA. Yeah. Right? Should we talk story. about that? Yeah. That whole story in the middle of the Suns going on a run <laughs> so we don't get that reported. And we get Jeff Van Gundy whining and complaining about how he doesn't understand what a flagrant foul is. We get it. We understood your confusion the first time. <laughs> you do not have to keep talking and talking and talking about it. We understand you're confused, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but I, yeah. I wish we were on TNT, man. I wish we could have yeah. been on TNT. I think we could do a heck of a job on TNT. The two of us with Shaq. And no, that's not that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> as much as I, I love that. I'm kidding. I know. Those guys are the best, though. Oh, but 100%. Yeah, TNT is way so much better. Yeah. But the, the Patrick Beverly foolishness in this, uh, I, it has to be talked about a little bit because it was upsetting. It, it was... Uh, it was uncalled. Of, it was uncalled for. It was one of the dirtier plays, I've or the cheapest. I sure. guess that's kind of the same thing. But I've never seen anyone shove someone in the back like that, except maybe outside of a, you know, an elementary school kid having a temper tantrum on the playground. You see that type of stuff. But I, how do you allow that on the biggest stage? Or not quite, but pretty darn close. Second biggest stage possible. Yeah. yeah. In one of the biggest games of his life, that's how he showed how tough he was. The only thing he tries to show throughout the game is how tough he is. And then he goes and shoves 36-year-old Chris Paul in the back after a timeout, after not a word was said to him. Just, that's that's garbage. Right. Derelict. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah, it was awful. I don't know what his punishment is going to be, but it probably won't be enough. And I mean, Chris Paul was so in his head. That's what I like about this is Chris Paul did not say anything. He didn't really even look at him. He gave him a glance and that was enough to send Beverly over the edge. If that's what is going to send you over the edge, then there's a problem there. Yeah, 100%. And look at all the, I think the Booker broken nose, probably pretty incidental, but. 
Yes. When you play that style of defense, that stuff is just more bound to happen if you're going to be playing that intense. And then the the celebration after he somewhat undercuts Chris's legs on that screen, and then he he dances around after that. And then the Aiton elbow to the head, I don't know what you want to call that. It was an attempt at a block, I will say that, but when you're winding up and following through like that, that's a hundred percent unnecessary. And if you want to, if you want to block a shot in that situation, you can't hammer the guy or the ref will call it. If you, if you bring your arm back and make it look like in a more intense play than it really is, the refs are going to be more apt to blow their whistle on that. In a situation like that, you just try to poke the ball out. Right. Right. And that's not what he's trying to do. And then, you know, we have that stuff, ha- like, we see that crap happen even before halftime. Then you go into the second half thinking, what's he going to try to get away with now? And that's ultimately what happened, I guess. And it right. wasn't even during play. And, I mean, I can excuse a lot during the heat of the moment in a play, loose ball, whatever. But doing that after a timeout is Bush League, and I hope that dude is... Like, suspend him for a quarter of the season. 20-some games or something like that. Yeah, I my guess is he'll be suspended for two games, but we'll see. It's just we'll such see. a bad look for the league. I, I mean, do football players even do that? No, I think a football player would want to take things head on. Right, and right. Beverly has a football player mindset, if I had to say something, but... yeah. Not then. That was weird. I mean, to shove a guy in the back when the game is not in play and the guy is not looking at you. You know, you've walked by him and cheap shot, push him in the back. But to see Chris Paul smiling and raising his arms up as as Beverly gets ejected, that was pretty sweet. That was worth it. That was all, it made yeah. it all worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And... I don't want to talk about the Clippers anymore. Yeah. We, oh, this is the last thing I'll say about the Clippers. It was really sweet to beat both LA teams in the Staples Center. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Both Morrises, too. <laughs> All of them. All the Morrises. We've got, we've got Denver, too. Yep. All the <laughs> Monta- Morris. Not related, but we beat Monte Morris. The Mori beat them all. Imagine shoving your father in the back like that. <laughs> yeah, show some respect. All right. Let's move it on. What do we think the better matchup will be for the Suns? Either way, it looks like we're pretty heavily favored to win the finals, no matter who it's going to be. And we have a banged up Trey Young with the Hawks. We have Giannis with that that knee injury. We we don't know how this series is going to quite finish up. We just finished watching the the uh, Bucks win game five. Game, yes, game five. You're right. Game yep. five. Bucks won game five. So it's three two. Yeah, that's right. Three three two. two. Game six on Saturday. So, oh, and before we start this, if Bucks Hawks goes six games, game one seems like it will likely be on Tuesday, July sixth. Yes. And I've heard officially, but that's kind of the estimation. Right. So if it goes seven, we can probably assume the eighth. 
Thursday, July 8th, yes. That's okay. what it seems like. All right, but, I mean, they're, they're both a little banged up, but it seems like, it seems pretty likely that both of their stars will be ready to go by the finals. Who would you rather play? I mean, I think there's an obvious answer. So, I'm going to give the logical answer, and then maybe I'll give a, a, a little bit of a reason for the opposite. So, logical answer is the Hawks. We match up a lot better. They don't have as much size. They, I think, are, are the team that's just a little bit luckier to be in the Eastern Conference Finals. Trey Young and his health being in question, Trey Young is by far their best player, uh, and I think we could totally stop him. Even if he scored 40 points, I don't think that would be enough. We just overpower them. They have some good shooting. Bogdanovich is a good shooter. Herter's a good shooter. Trey Young, obviously. They've got some athleticism in Collins. They've got Clint Capella, who had a great year. I just think we match up really, really well with them. And yes, in the regular season, they handed us our worst loss, but that's one regular season game against an Eastern Conference opponent that you don't see very often. So yes, logically, I'd rather play the Hawks. I like the idea of playing the Bucks, though. We beat them in a very exciting game in, in the regular season, our last regular season game against them. On that buzzer beater, kind of controversial, I suppose it was buzzer beating free throws. Um, I, I just think we really could handle the Bucks. I think we could try to play a little bit faster like we have against the, the Clippers. Um, Giannis's health is definitely a question. I've heard anything from he looks like he'll probably be good to go for game six to he's not playing the rest of this season. So who knows? Uh, I, I just think in reality we can handle either of these teams. I'm not trying to be too cocky here, but I think the Clippers were probably better than either of these teams. So I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, I'm in I'm in pretty much that exact same boat. I do have a weird feeling though about the Hawks. I'd I'd rather lose to the Bucks than the Hawks. If I'm going full pessimist True. here, True. I think I'd rather lose to the Bucks. But I don't I don't want to talk about that. Right. That's a bad that's just a bad way to look at it and uh, since I'm talking about it, I'll just be honest. I really do not like Trey Young. Mm-hmm. I don't like the style of basketball he plays the foul fishing that he does. And I don't want to see that from a a tiny little dude on the court who's not Steph Curry. I don't want to see that win an NBA championship. Right, right. And I just don't think logically that's going to happen. Sure, they're hot, but we're hotter. We're the hottest team in the NBA. That's Yeah, that's 100% true. That Bucks though, the Bucks lineup, they match up so well against us. They do. They do. That's the one thing that worries me. I mean, they got size at every position. They have defense at every position. There's no individual matchup that we'd really be able to, you know, just really extort. Like, we, we couldn't really win any of those. And I don't know exactly how they'd end up matching up on us, but there's just not a clear W in there. The The thing that obviously that we have been hunting out this entire playoffs or entire season would be getting 
Brooke Lopez to have to try to stay in front of Chris Paul for some for, in, in the offense at some point, that would be the exploit that we'd probably be seeking out. Yeah, and we could really see that. I mean, our high pick and roll, that's what it aims to do, and it works really well. Now, the issue is if Giannis is back, who will be able to defend that way better than Brooke, Brooke Lopez can. Right. But And then even... Giannis on the back side of that, if he's not yeah, darting Aiden, and being true. able to dart down to the rim and protect it, right. and with all of his size, being able to get out to the perimeter and disrupt those shots. I mean, they're they're a stacked defensive team. They are. They are. It'll it'd be a slugfest because the defense that we've played and that we held the Clippers to eighty in that one game. <laughs> yeah. I mean that would be. That series versus the Hawks series would be it'd be two entirely different styles oh, yeah. of basketball. Oh, yeah. I, I think that either one will be a lot of fun to watch. Oh, if we play the Hawks, there'll be a game where we score 135. If we play the Bucks, there'll be a game where we score 85 and win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I I mean obviously. Madison Square Garden and Phoenix are maybe different animals, but what would we be yelling at Trey Young? Do you think <laughs> we, we'd take as much offense to him as we saw some of those Eastern opponents do? Or Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. Um, I like to think that we would have some respect for either of these these teams, given that it's been a long time since either of them have been in the finals, too. Right. Right. Which is really cool. I think this is going to be such an awesome matchup. The league hates it because <laughs> yeah. it's two smaller market teams, no matter what. And especially if it's Suns Bucks. I mean, that's like. Hey, no we're problem. not that. We're a decent sized media market. We, yeah. We, the Suns don't get enough credit for that ever, it seems like. But Milwaukee is a different story. Yes. Milwaukee. There's probably more Brewers fans than Bucks fans. Oh, and twice as many Packers fans. Oh, yeah, they care way more about Ten times as many Packers. Probably college football more than, you know, Wisconsin or... But whatever. So it it will be kind of cool in a historical sense. But I don't know. I don't know how we will deal with with Trey Young. And I think it will depend on kind of his attitude and his antics. If he's doing the shimmy... And, and what he's been doing, then we probably won't like that. Right. But if he just goes out and plays hard and plays well, I could see it being like a Reggie Jackson situation where it's like, yeah, he's good. Yeah. He, he did well against us. If he's shooting 12 free throws per game, I don't, I think it'll probably get a little rowdy in there. Cause no probably. one, I personally hate watching that, that stuff happen. But I mean, if your guy's getting them, and yes, I know that Chris Paul absolutely hunts for fouls as soon as uh, it's getting close to the penalty. I know, I know. I just really don't like the way Trey Young does it. And yeah, maybe I'm a little envious of his shooting ability, and it's pretty fun to watch him sometimes, but there's a lot that I don't like too. Yeah, and again, remember how much we hated watching Chris Paul play before he was on our team? Oh, yeah. I could stand that. And now they're finally changing that rip-through rule, which is he basically invented yeah. and 
I, normally I would be elated that that's getting changed, but I'm like, oh no, Chris Paul can't do that now. <laughs> Push that off for a couple more years, please. Yeah, yeah. But speaking of Chris Paul, let's talk about this for a second. Game one, no matter who we play, how many points will Chris Paul score? This is the bet question. So what do you think? I feel like he's going to be riding this. Uh, okay. This is his first this Chris Paul doesn't have many firsts left in the NBA anymore. And this is his first finals game. And I don't think nerves are a thing with him anymore. It, that's not going to have any sort of impact, but I mean, uh, momentum and just being hyped up. I feel like he's really going to have a great one in this one. Uh, let, let's go 28, 28. Okay. But I'm feeling, you know, 13, 14 assists, zero turnovers. Like one of yeah, those kind of yeah. 75% from the floor, like that type of good game. Yeah, okay. So I think this answer is going to be so matchup dependent, and that's why I love that we're doing it as the bet question, because I can see him going for 35 against the Hawks. But if we're playing the Bucks, I think the key to beating the Bucks will be moving the ball quickly hitting open shots, corner threes, that kind of thing, much more of a facilitator role from Chris Paul. So I think the Bucks are going to win is the thing. Yeah. So I'm going to say 20. That's fair. 20 points from Chris Paul. You know what? More about the Bucks series before we move on. Some real cool homecomings would happen in that one. Um, yeah. PJ. PJ Tucker. Oh, I, I love PJ. If we were to match up in the finals against PJ, like that'd be, oh, cool. that'd, that'd be heartwarming. That'd be yeah. great. He went he went through all the crap Devin Booker went through with this yeah. organization. All of it, more or less. So that'll be fun to see. And then Frank the Tank going back to Wisconsin. Is, yeah, yeah. They love him there. They do. That's true. Yeah, and... uh. Jay Carter, too. Marquette. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good call. So, um, yeah, that would be pretty cool. Sorry, I um, got us off track. No, it's okay. I, so, I'm just – I literally am losing my train of thought throughout the day thinking about how we're going to the finals. It's so cool. It's all I think about. <laughs> it, and it sometimes it doesn't even go any further than that. It'll just be like, we made it to the finals. And then yeah. – I, I won't even think about how we got there or what's going to happen next. I just, I just kind of bask in it. It's uh... right. Well, and you know what I'm thinking about a lot is being at the airport last night. Oh, welcoming the team back, and we waited for a while. We had some issues with parking, but we got it figured out. And just to see how excited the guys were to be back, and it, you may have saw it on our Twitter. I tweeted a picture of. It's just thousands of Suns fans as far as the eye can see. It was like, so, can you ballpark how many people you think were there? I want to say like 3,000, but I, I literally have no basis other than the crowd yeah. surrounding me. Yeah. Man, that, that was pretty cool to see. And there were some streams of it online too. So, I mean, if, if this happens again and we come home as the champions, I mean, Go show up, one, but there, there's also ways to watch it, too. So maybe we'll uh, tweet that out next time we see it, if it's due. But yeah, uh, 
it's just so cool to see. And I, I know there's a lot of teams who, like, we got crap for how we celebrated after we won it. Because apparently the when the Lakers won it, there was no real celebration. They didn't really care. They were just ready for the finals, you know, Lakers stuff. But, I mean, it, it had been so long. And then and then we come have, like, a little mini parade for them, too. I think people thought that was yeah. over the top. But, I mean, that happens quite a bit. Maybe not yeah. in a parade setting like they were doing it. But right. people go to airports and wait for the team to come back. That That happens. Yeah, the city is alive. We've been saying this for months now, really since maybe January when we really had turned it on. Everyone's wearing their son's gear. All my friends who have never cared about basketball before are sharing the the final score posts on their Instagrams. And I don't care. I love it. Be a bandwagon. This is a great team, and it's a really fun team to follow right now. Everyone in this city is loving it. When I went to work today, almost every single person I saw mentioned something about the Suns to me. Yeah, it, it's cool just being here for it, you know? Uh, maybe I, we'll bring this up quickly, but ticket prices are pretty wild <laughs> to get in to uh, the yeah. finals. But, I mean, I, I've been thinking about that and, like, just go downtown during the yeah. game. Yeah. It's nutty down there, and oh, the yeah. celebrations afterwards. It's it's going crazy downtown. Go go down there, have a good time. You'll have a. It's not the same as being in the arena at the game, but if you want to go live it up with some fellow Suns fans, uh, you can pretty much pretty much walk into any bar in the valley, and they'll have oh. the game on, and there will be fans there. I I was driving home the other day, and I forget why, but for some reason I was taking a different route. And I drove past this comic book store and they had ghost sons all over there. Huh. I'm like, I don't know if these people have ever cared about sports before, but they've yeah. got ghost sons painted on their, their storefront. And uh, I, I also heard that the away games, you know, the, the arena had been letting people in to watch. I heard it was about 10 bucks. I don't know a hundred percent if that's true, but I've heard those are really fun. Those watch parties that the Suns are doing at the arena. Don't they pretty much pack the arena? Yeah. I just saw a couple pictures, but it looked like at least the lower bowl looked full. Yeah, and I think they have concessions open and everything like that. So. Yeah. Oh, I saw a video of everyone walking out saying, let's go Suns. I, what a cool vibe, man. Yeah. I I am envious. I think it's the Bucks who have like the, the big outdoor lot where they show the games and I yeah. wish we had that. Uh, maybe we have the space to do it somewhere downtown, but not the not the weather. Too at this hot. Point. Yeah. Well, too hot. Yeah. Well, I mean, playing in July in Phoenix, we haven't had that in a long time. Very, it's very true. It's it's a good problem to have. And with that, let's move to the non-sports section of the show. The Suns are going to the finals. We'll never forget this. For the non-sports section, neither of us slept much last night. So our question is, how much sleep do you need on a regular basis per night? I am a very firm, between six to eight hours, anything less terrible, anything more groggy for the afternoon. I mean, yeah, that's how it goes for me, but... I found that the seven is a really sweet spot, and it's the it's the one I can rely on. 
Like when I go to yeah. bed, I'm like seven. If I can get seven hours tonight, I'll be perfect. And that's kind of what I base it on. It's incredible how similar we are on this. <laughs> and maybe it's because we're both adult men around the same age. Yeah. Yeah. But I, yeah, seven hours is my sweet spot. If I get less than six, I'm useless. And if I get more than eight, I like, I just feel awful. Yeah. And I'd say even sometimes it's more than seven. I don't feel great, Ooh. but it is kind of nice to have the opportunity to sleep in. But yeah, seven hours is just exactly what I'm looking for every night. I used to be able to, like, I've never been good at running off low numbers of sleep, like low hours. But when I was like a teenager or early 20s, I could sleep until. 11 or noon with, oh, with yeah. no issue and oh yeah it'd be okay like i'd i'd try to do that on weekends yeah even throughout college i could do that because you know you're staying up late doing homework getting papers done i had this blackout curtain and i just wouldn't set an alarm and i'd sleep into the afternoon sometimes but i think since i've been maybe since 23 or 24 around that age range i've just needed less and less sleep which makes sense developmentally but i yeah i've really noticed it i'd say especially as when i started working at my current job about a year and a half ago my schedule changed a bunch and i've kind of had to force myself to become more of a morning person but it has worked out really well because i'm able to to get that that sweet spot of seven hours for the most part. Ooh. See, we've been able to change up the schedule a little bit due to this whole crazy year and everything. And we can start our days a little bit later is kind of what we've been doing. But I, this happened to me recently. I wake up at 7.30 on the dot like yeah. every, every morning now. And it's so weird. Yeah. I've never been like that. I'd normally, like, I'd have to have an alarm to get up at a certain time or I'd just sleep through it a little bit or whatever. But, man, it's like clockwork now. Yeah. It's, it's really yeah. weird. And I don't yeah. know. It's taken me a while to hit that. But it's nice having that consistency finally. Like, yeah, it's no fun uh, if you got stuff to do that day and you're like, oh, I forgot to set my alarm last night. And then you sleep until, like, 9 or 9.30. I mean, yeah, well, that really throws I'm, a wrench in thing. That's that's nice. half the day. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. And I'm just about an hour behind you. So I wake up every day somewhere between 630 and seven. And well, it's just I try to wake up about the same time every day. Overall, Wednesdays and Fridays, I wake up at six every other day at seven. So usually on the weekend, I wake up at 630, look at the clocks. And, ah, I'll go back to sleep, sleep for 30 minutes and I'm up at seven. See, it, it, this thing is messing with my night owl gig, though. Yes. With the, with the uh, automatic wake up at 7.30, if I if I push uh, the evening a little too late, I'm in a mess the next day. Yeah, that's and right. And once I'm up, I mean, I can hang in bed for a little bit, but I'm not going to, like, fall back asleep. That I can't be doing that. Right. No, that's not yeah. a good way to start your day, but. No. Well, and I slept about five hours last night. And I feel like I have weights on my eyelids. <laughs> uh, I literally after these games, I just I 
hop on the computer. I'm watching highlight videos. I'm watching the interviews. I'm reading Reddit threads, just doing it all. And all of a sudden, it's 1.30 in the morning or 2. And like, oh, where did the time go? And, mm-hmm. you know, I got Sunny blasting on repeat the whole time. Wife is just so mad because she can't sleep. Just kidding. <laughs> I don't push it that far. But yeah. you, you know what I'm saying? You, This has been... Uh, crazy how long have the playoffs even been a month how yeah long has it been it feels like it's been a year <laughs> oh it, yeah this is it feels like it's been going on for a long time and this little week off that we're gonna get here i'm i'm ready for that i think it is it's a nice little reprieve for a little bit from the excitement all right is that gonna do it that's it so. all right we will be back after game one of the series for sure we'll be back and uh no matter who it is, we're hyped up. We think we have a good chance to win and uh, rally the valley, man. This is a that's right. This is a time that a lot of us have been waiting a lot of years for, and it's it's just great. Enjoy it. We'll be back after game one. Go Suns.